Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.31 a.m. It is Black Monday, the 9th of March, 2020. This is episode 212 Bitcoin and let's just, okay, let's calm, let's all calm down. Let's all calm down. I'm going to start with some Fold app news. Apparently our boys over there at Fold have landed Lowe's as a vendor. So now you can get up to 4% sats back on your next DIY project or home renovation. Should be good. I might have to build me a chicken coop, considering I probably won't be able to buy a chicken coop because I just took my kid to the dentist. And yeah, probably going to have to pay 300 bucks. <laughs> so, but no, I'm just kidding. If you can't afford, you know, afford to take your kid to the damn dentist, I mean, come on, what's going on here? But uh, yeah, chickens. Yeah, uh, we got the chickens. I'll do a chicken report uh, at the end here. Let me write that down. Uh, because we did get six chicks, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But first, let's just go ahead and, and the the whole reason that, that, that I'm late. <laughs> Obviously, I'm really late. It's like 11:30, man. I should have had this uh, rolling at about 9 a.m. That's usually what I try to do. But of course, I had to take both my kids to the dentist and. Um, you know, it's one of those things, but I wanted to at least get something out for you today. This is maybe, this may be a short show. I'm not going to cover anywhere close to the amount of news that I usually do because, well, it's Black Monday. You can see the fires in the street. I don't need to tell you about any of that crap. And honestly, there's not a whole lot being written about Bitcoin other than the fact that Oh my God, the price and all, whatever. You you know the drill, but there is some other stuff going on. Like, for instance, this one is out of Decrypt.co. This is Robert Stevens. He's writing this morning that a blockchain messaging app for the truly paranoid, Session is a blockchain-based messaging app that's so private, it doesn't even want your phone number. Well, wait, maybe until they do, but let's find out. We now have a blockchain-based messaging app for those who want complete secrecy. The Lokai Foundation launched a white paper for Session, an end-to-end encrypted messaging app last month. The app, which is now live on Android and Apple phones, claims not to leave a data trail behind, preventing authorities from snooping on your activity. Session is a fork of Signal, a messaging app that's known for its end-to-end encryption and is used by privacy diehards in the crypto community. But... Introducing blockchain technology has let it go further in its quest for unrivaled privacy. Oh, because it's messaging on the blockchain, bro. The app runs on the service node blockchain network, 
This is a decentralized network, yeah right, used for sending messages between users, and it makes the app more private by hiding the IP addresses of the users on the network and enabling it to work without needing phone numbers. <clears throat> Both of these types of data are known as metadata. To do so, the nodes on the network only record the IP addresses of the previous and following nodes, although the first node will see your IP address. Your IP address will never be exposed to the recipients of your messages or to anyone watching over the network. Uh, God, as far as we know, uh, this isn't the first app trying to solve the metadata problem. Pioneer David Chom has created a blockchain-based messaging app called Pre-Elixir, running on his Elixir network. Session also uses cryptocurrency and an incentive to keep the nodes transmitting messages. Yet, by relying on blockchain, Session is at risk of attack. Hackers could launch a Sybil attack, pretending to be thousands of nodes on the network in order to spy on it. But the app claims it is resilient to such attacks. It requires nodes to stump up some cryptocurrency as collateral in order to help operate the network. There it is. This makes it prohibitively expensive for a Sybil attack attacker. At the same time, the app's users can even keep the network secure and honest by running nodes and contributing to it. Because who better to look after your privacy than yourself? Okay, so it's another messaging app, but we've got Sphinx and a couple of other things that are built on the Lightning Network. Time will tell just how private these things actually are, but my money's on anything that's running on the Lightning Network would be a lot more private than people who quote-unquote claim shit. I'm tired of people claiming shit. They claim you can claim stuff all damn day. Don't make it true. So be aware when this this thing comes out. So you know, just again, just just saying. <clears throat> the Bitmain co-founder launches yet another lawsuit to regain his CEO role. This is Adrian Zmunsky writing for Coin Telegraph sometime this morning. McCree Kutenzan or Ketuan. I'm sorry, McCree Ketuan Zan, the co-founder of leading minor hardware producer Bitmain launched yet another lawsuit in an attempt to regain his position as the CEO of the firm. According to the court filing in Fujian province, Zan initiated a lawsuit against Bitmain subsidiary Fujian Zhanhua Intelligence and Technologies and Beijing Bitmain Technologies. A hearing on the case was initially scheduled for February the 11th. Fujian Zhua Intelligence Technologies still lists Zan as its legal representative and is one of the four principal subordinates, subordinate entities that made a material contribution to Bitmain's financial results in its 2018 Hong Kong IPO filing. As Cointelegraph reported in January, Zahn has also initiated court proceedings against Bitmain's stakeholders in an attempt to regain his voting control of the company. Zahn's conflict with Bitmain's shareholders surfaced in October 2019, when the company's co-founder, Jihan Wu, announced in an email that Zhan had left the company, the email read, Bitmain's co-founder, chairman, legal representative, and executive director, Jihan Wu, has decided to dismiss all roles of Quechuan Zan effective immediately, end quote. At the time, Zan said he did not leave the firm and was, in fact, removed as a Bitmain legal representative without his consent. He warned those who deprived him of his control over the company, quote, I will fight for her till the end with legal weapons i won't allow those who want to plot against bitmain to succeed if someone wants a war we will give them one end quote wu also warned company staff that they if they engage in meetings organized by zon their employment may be terminated 
So it looks like they're going to go after, you know, that's a couple of pit bulls in a fighting ring right here. So grab the popcorn. This may go nowhere, or it could be like, you know, CSW level worthy legal wrangling. Who knows? But Robin Hood is in the news big times today because being Black Monday and everything burning to the ground... Robinhood app goes down yet again, and it causes an outrage. Popular trading app Robinhood has suffered yet another outage on one of the biggest days of trading, and it's not the first time this month. This is Tim Copeland writing for Decrypt.co. He says trading app Robinhood has suffered another trading outage on one of the most important days for trading in the past decade. Get that, a decade, and he ain't lying either. At 2.06 p.m. UTC today, Robinhood tweeted that trading was down and that it was investigating the issue. It has since tweeted that trading has been partially restored, whatever the hell that means, but it couldn't have come at a worse time for traders. (laughs) You think the stocks were hit today in the worst day of trading since the financial crisis? The price of oil fell by nearly 30% and major stock market indices are down by 7% and traders were furious. Quote, I just can't believe this. Two Mondays back to back during the most important moments. There could not be any worse of a time for the system to go down. Literally, it could not be any worse than this. One wrote on Twitter in, excuse me, in it's the latest in a succession of issues faced by the exchange following an earlier outage on March the 2nd that lasted through the night. At the time, Robinhood tweeted that when it comes to your money, issues like this are not acceptable. That outage was also on a day of increased trading volume that saw the Dow Jones gain over 1,200 points. Robinhood is also a popular trading app for cryptocurrencies, any of which have seen high volatility today. The price of Bitcoin has dropped 10%. And many other top 10 coins have posted double digit losses as well. So uh, what this is not the way to keep your customer base. It's just not. As far as I am aware, and I can tell in my app, but my cash app, I can I can buy stonks and, and stuff with my cash app. Now, I don't it's probably not as robust in, in the amount of tools available to the, you know, the casual user as Robinhood was, but I haven't heard any reports of Cash App going down. You know, this is a little ridiculous when you've got a whole bunch again, this is not your keys, not your stonks, right? If you can't get to your stonks to be able to unload them. If you want to go ahead and join the panicked masses that are heading out over the cliff, then yeah, by by all means, make sure that you use something like Robinhood, okay? Because it's going to be at these times that you can't do anything. And it's not like that they're alone. Coinbase is notorious for going down. And I, I haven't heard any reports of Coinbase going down today. And today would be a day. So I don't know, maybe they got their back end ducks in a row, who knows? But let's continue on because this is going to try to make this a little short so I can get it out to you at a reasonably decent time. Bitcoin drops to uh, due to a 13,000 BTC plus token scam, not coronavirus, analysts say. And actually, you know what? I'm not going to read that one. I found a better one. Or, well, okay, maybe not better. But it's not talking about... It. The other one was talking more about Bitcoin price. This one's talking more about 
Bitcoin's price, but more about the scam and not really coronavirus and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Amkar Godbull is writing for Coindesk. He's doing it sometime today, I presume. Yep, today. Uh, the top cryptocurrency fell by nearly 10% from 8,900 to 8,000 on Sunday to register its single biggest daily decline since September 2019, according to Bitstamp data. Then on Monday, Bitcoin slipped further to two-month lows below 7,700 during the Asian trading hours. At press time, the cryptocurrency's global average price is calculated by Coindesk's Bitcoin price index has recovered somewhat to 7,925. While the sudden price drop has taken place alongside a bloody day in the traditional markets, there may be another factor driving down Bitcoin's value so severely. Quote, the sudden drop in prices seems to arise out of the selling of BTC by PLUS token. Uh, Ashish Shingal, CEO, cryptocurrency exchange Coinswitch.co, told Coindesk. On Saturday, scammers in control of the remaining wallets of the China-based Ponzi scheme moved 13,000 BTC, worth around $101 million currently, but close to $120 million at the time, to so-called mixers and may have offloaded their holdings, causes, causing prices to fall sharply, according to Singal. Mixers are used to obfuscate the source of the crypto transaction by outputting batches with different coins than are sent in. Plus token has posed as a cryptocurrency wallet and swindled investors out of possibly as much as $2 billion in cryptocurrency by promising rewards. While six of its masterminds were arrested in June 2019, the authorities could not seize 180,000 BTC, 6.4 million Ether, and 111 Tether, which were sent from scam or scam victims to Plus Token wallets, according to Chainalysis. Trader Kevin Svensson has also associated the latest price drop with Plus Token holdings being dumped into the market. People in control of the Plus Token wallets have been liquidating their stolen Bitcoin since August and likely played a big role in pushing Bitcoin down from 12000 to 6500 in the four months to November, as noticed by Ergo Research at the time. Back in December, the scammers still controlled 20,000 Bitcoin, of which 13,000 looked to have been moved for liquidation over the weekend. So I guess we're looking at 7,000 coins that are left on this thing. God, I hope it ends quickly. <clears throat> the on-chain activity on Saturday was again noted by Ergo Research. Uh, it says, almost all previous mixer deposit change has entered mixing, confirming my theory. Uh, 13,000 in new plus token mixer deposits in the last 24 hours. Distribution still on off. Much slower than September and November. New report and full sit rep, rep imminent. And that is a tweet from Ergo. <clears throat> Continuing on here, some, of course, may argue that moving coins to mixers does not necessarily result in liquidation. And the sell-off scene from Sunday was caused by the coronavirus-led crash in the global financial markets. Indeed, negative global macro factors such as the equity market sell-off and record low in the U.S. government bond yield may have also played a role in pushing Bitcoin lower. As noted by popular analyst Jacob Canfield, still a major plus token liquidation could well have weighed heavy over Bitcoin's price if it did occur. The cryptocurrency was trading steadily above 9,000 on Saturday as the scammed coins were being moved to mixers and then fell sharply the following day. Further, traditional markets were closed over the weekend. Canfield 2 listed a plus token dump as one of the factors possibly responsible for Bitcoin's price drop. So how did Bitcoin's price drop look from a technical perspective? Well, quote, Bitcoin needed higher prices on the four-hour chart 
to get itself into a neutral stance between 9,200 and 9,600, popular Twitter analyst Mr. Anderson told Coindesk, quote, once that battle was lost, it left the 12-hour chart in an ugly position, as well as things snowballing quickly, Anderson said. And then there's a picture of the daily chart. Uh, you, you know the chart. You, you, can, you can find the chart. In the aftermath, the head and shoulders breakdown, a bearish reversal pattern seen on the daily chart, suggests the rally from December lows near 6,400 has ended and the bears have regained control. Fucking bears. The bias will remain bearish as long as prices are holding below the former support turn resistance of the neckline currently placed at 8,450. A bullish reversal now requires a convincing UTC close above the March 7 high of 92.13. That would invalidate the lower high setup. <clears throat> Disclosure, author holds no cryptocurrency at the time of writing, so no skin in the game there, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's an ugly it's an ugly situation, and there's just, there's just no sugarcoating it, and there's no reason to sugarcoat it. My hope here is that they get rest of the they get rid of the rest of this the uh, 7000 uh, bitcoin that are remaining just market sell it boys let's go ahead and get the shit done tired of your bullshit we this is why we don't like scammers because not only did the people from one coin get scammed out of all their money you know in, in so far as bitcoin and ethereum and ripple and god only knows what else the hell they sent them tether and what the, the like but then when they market dump it kills everybody else. So when you start bitching at Bitcoin maximalist and telling us to shut up, no, we're never going to shut up because you're always wrong. You're always wrong. This, this is exactly why we bitch and moan all the time, every day, every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every fucking year. And you guys are, oh, you, y'all are just mean. No, we're not mean. This has nothing to do with being mean. If I wanted to go be mean to something, I'd go throw rocks at ducks. Well, there's like 50 ponds around me right now. I can go pick any one of them and go start hucking rock at some poor unsuspecting duck. That's how you, that's, that's being mean. No, what we're doing is we're trying to protect you in the, in the wider situation at large, but you guys never listen. And then we get into shit like this. So thank you for screwing everything up, I guess. If you're, if you're listening to this and you don't like Bitcoin maximalist and you continue to buy shit coins, you are feeding this. You can count yourself among the people that help this kind of crap go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Okay, so there, there's that. And to end, just to... Put it all in perspective about shitcoinery. A new report indicates Ripple has sold more than 5 billion XRP in 27 months. That's 5 billion with a B. This is written by the Daily Hodel staff for Daily Hodel on March the 8th. A new report is shedding light on the actual number of XRP that Ripple has sold since December of 2017. The leading cryptocurrency is the third largest buy market cap after Bitcoin and Ethereum with a valuation of $9.4 billion. Although Ripple releases quarterly reports on the dollar value of the XRP it sells, it does not disclose the total number of XRP actually sold. <clears throat> In December of 2017, Ripple locked up $55 billion of its XRP, or 55%. 
of the total supply of XRP into cryptographically secured escrow accounts to control its sale of the digital asset. According to its escrow program, Ripple releases 1 billion XRP each month, a process that will continue for the next 28 months. After the company sells a portion of the 1 billion XRP released monthly, it returns the remainder back into escrow. According to a new report from XRP Arcade, Ripple has unlocked 27 billion XRP in 27 months and returned 21.6 billion back into escrow. The calculation indicates that the fintech company has sold 5.4 billion XRP, an average of 200 million XRP per month. While Ripple says it sells too few XRP to impact the price of the third largest cryptocurrency, the San Francisco-based startup has long faced criticism for its sales of the crypto asset. Ripple has slowed its sales of XRP on cryptocurrency exchanges in recent months. According to the company's last XRP market report, the company sold zero XRP on cryptocurrency exchanges in the fourth quarter of last year and sold 13.08 billion USD worth of XRP over the counter. So there you go. If you've been wondering how much has actually been like unloaded on the unsuspecting, unwitting morons holding this bag of garbage, it's apparently 5.4 billion XRP in 27 months. And that's nothing to sneeze at. And this whole thing about returning the remainder back to the escrow account, uh, it's just smoke and mirrors, man. It uh, The whole thing is ridiculous. It's shit coinery. You need to stay as far away from this fire thing, fire sale as humanly possible. Um, in fact, hold on here. Uh, I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. It is. It's a huge fire, and they are on fire sale, and this is going to continue for another two years. And and if you think it's going to end there, sorry, it's it's just not. It's not going to end there. As long as this coin has any breath of life left in it, it will, it'll, it'll have the intention of trying to kill you. It's like gravity or the vacuum of space. It has one job to kill you. That's all it's going to do. So, um, I'm going to dispense with all the real, the, the, with the stuff in the show, we're going to go right on into vital statistics. Let's look at this black Monday in a relative amount of detail. What do we got going on here? We've got the S&P down 6%, NASDAQ's down five and a quarter. The Dow Jones is down six and a quarter. My God, it's like, God, 1,636 uh, in, has changed in, like uh, in the DJIA. Man, whoa. So it's sitting at 24,223.62 um, bonds. Don't look any better. Uh, we've got the U.S. 10-year at half a percent, and guys, the 30-year has now is now below one. It's now below one percent. Uh, it's sitting at 0.915. The five-year is under a half a percent at 0.47. The two-year is 0.39. The three-month U.S. bond is 0.41. The German Bund is at minus 0 0.8. Oh, God, the Japan 10-year is negative 0 0.13. And the UK 10-year bond is 0 
oil, if you haven't read the news, oil took a giant slap in the face, man. It's like getting hit with a, a dead shark, not, you know, much less a dead fish, man. Um, wow, even gold is slipping. So oil is sitting at 33.16. Uh, it's down 20%. Now, why? In case you don't know, if you're wondering why, the Saudis did their little trick and they opened up the pipes. I've lived through this once. Believe me, we're not dead. Okay, it's not that it's good and everything's going to be just all kinds of, you know, apple, apple and cherry filled crusty ass pie on the other end of this. But we are going to be alive. Why? Because we've done this before. We did this shit in the early 80s. I watched my dad live through it. Was it ugly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was real, real nasty. But people survived. A lot of companies went down. A lot of companies in the, you know, oil and gas sector uh gave up the ghost right then and there, especially anybody who wasn't producing, you know, didn't have any like stable production. Yeah, it was a bad scene, man. It was a bad scene all the way around. I think oil at that time hit like I want to say $7 a barrel is what it was. And I think the high that dad was looking at Right before the Saudis did that, I want to say it was like at 20, 25, something like that. And I used to say that my father never saw $35 oil. That is actually incorrect. He never saw uh, he never saw $75 oil somewhere around that area before he died in, in a, a few years back. He never saw after a whole life in the oil patch, never saw $70, $75, oil that wasn't even in his on his radar. Right. Um, but I watched him go through this and it was the same deal. OPEC had a problem. The Saudis decided that they were getting to shaft and they opened up the pipes. And when they did that, everybody died. It was ugly. It was ugly then. It's ugly now. Although it does make me wonder, um, well, is it possible? Uh, and I'm probably horribly wrong on this and that's okay. But think about it from, from a market standpoint. If I had the ability to open up the pipes and crash a price on a commodity, but I'm also able to take part of the markets, wouldn't it not be in my best interest to long the shit out of oil at its like way down low and then turn off the pipes so I can hit my strikes? What if they did that? I'm just asking, what if the Saudi Arabian uh, principality or whatever you whatever you call, I guess the royalty, whatever, whoever controls this shit up there, what if they did that? What if they open up the pipes, they bought in the price, they go long oil when they're they think that all the suckers have been shaken, you know, shaked out of the uh, market, and then they long the shit out of oil, and then they turn off the pipes. And if they turn off the pipes, what's that going to do? The price of oil is going to send it back higher. Just, I'm just wondering, you know, as, as, a, as an innocent bystander in all this shit, I'm just wondering if that's not a possible thing. They, as far as I know, that did not happen in the 80s because uh, that thing went on for a long time. But I just wonder if they're going to do this just enough to get Russia out of the market, crash the price, go long, turn off the pipes, and get stinking rich. Also, what isn't really being widely reported on 
is some some serious row apparently happened right before the Saudis did this. I want to say it was on Friday. I was listening to the news and there was a blurb about the Saudi king had his own brother arrested, but they really didn't get into it. Uh, so look into that. That could be an interesting situation that's unfolding. You know, the king, the Saudi king arrests his own brother and then all of, all of a sudden... A couple of days later, all this happens. So, yeah, markets are in a bloodbath right now. But getting into the Bitcoin stuff, uh, I've got Bitcoin at an average of 7,826.44. It looks like my high is going to be over at HitBTC. No, it's going to be over at Coin. Who? God, no, I am way off, way off. Sorry, you guys. My high is going to be over at P2P B2B at 7,828. That's only two bucks above the average. I've got, uh, it looks like my low is going to be somewhere at, oh God, hit BTC at 7,788. It's a mess, man. Things keep changing right in front of my eyes. Uh, We've had 329,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, representing about 14,000 transactions per hour on average, with 1.1 million BTC changing hands in that period. Uh, About 50,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour, and the average transaction value is 3.42 BTC. 0.025 BTC is the median transaction value. That's right at 200 bucks. Block times are stable, 9 minutes and 52 seconds. I say stable. What I should have said is close to the 10-minute mark at 9 minutes and 52 seconds. We have 0.14 BTC being taken in fees on a per-block basis, 20 BTC being taken in fees overall. We've had a difficulty adjustment of 2% in the last 24 hours, but that's according to this bitinfocharts.com. It from what I understand, we've had an increase of difficulty overall at 7%, which is a really high difficulty adjustment, but that would make sense because we've seen some really low block times, which means that hash rate has been hitting like all-time highs or just reaching for them for like the last two damn weeks. It's like the all-time highs that we're seeing in Bitcoin are no longer in the price, but in the hash rate, which is going to cause a difficulty adjustment, which does its adjustment every two weeks and takes into consideration how much hash rate is coming on it off, how much is on on average, all that kind of stuff. And then the uh, algorithm makes a decision as to how it's going to adjust the difficulty so that we get the hash rate to come in line and start producing blocks back around 10 minutes. Looks like that has worked. So again, the block time is at nine minutes, 52 seconds. Uh, hash rate has decreased 4 out, 4% in the last 24 hours. But dude, we're at 120 exahashes per second. What are you going to do? Last time nobody did dick on Bitcoin was sometime this morning, according to GitHub last commit. <clears throat> Ethereum is at 197, Bcash at 267, BSV at 194, Litecoin at 50 bucks. Ethereum Classic is at $6.84 and Doge sucking the swamp water 0.0022 with 28,000 transactions over the last 24 hours. Ooh, is that right? Oh my God, it is right. Okay, guys, at 28,295 transactions made on Dogecoin in the last 24 hours, it's annihilated Bcash. 
which has 19,726 transactions. That's the first time that has happened in a long, long, long time. So there you go. Now let's look at Clark Moody. This is bitcoin.clarkmoody.com. Let's look at his dashboard. Uh, his price is showing 7,000, uh, yeah, 7,746. That is 12,913 sats per dollar. Market capitalization is $141 billion. Holy shit. Guys, the GBTC premium is 41.8%. So you're going to pay 41.8% over spot if you want to have <clears throat> the pleasure of doing business with Barry Silbert. Wow, that's that's a hell of a ticket price to that little clown show, but whatever. Uh, lightning capacity is at 890 BTC capacity. That represents $6.9 million in capacity or liquidity on the network. <clears throat> we have 6,538 nodes and we have 36,148 channels. We have a Tor capacity of 364, 65, yeah, 365 BTC and we have... 1,896 Tor nodes. So that's what's going on on Lightning and Bitcoin today. Uh, let me just back check some of this other stuff with my node. Let's look at what my node says the hash rate is. Close. 118 and a half exahashes per second. Fairly stacked mempool at 28 megabytes. That represents 20,731 unconfirmed transactions. Almost every single block or every single one of the last 10 blocks are full. Got a couple of hundred percent full and some here are 99.8% full. I think the lowest one is, no, the lowest one is 99.8% full. So uh, full blocks going on right now as we speak. Okay, so uh, where was we all the way through vitals? Oh, daily train wrecked. Yep, like I said, guys, there's, there's, I'm not doing any of the tricks today. We just need to get this done. Um, I am putting myself as the daily train wrecked because I totally tinfoil hatted, but it's worth, it's worth the thought experiment here. I got a tweet here from, uh, Ibrahim, uh, that would be Ibrahim Poles, uh, at I-B-R-A-H-I-M-P-O-L-S in case you're wondering. And he says, uh, well, actually he's linking to an, an Axios.com news article, but I've, it's pretty much confirmed through a whole bunch of other news articles. Biden's team is considering Bloomberg <clears throat> to head the World Bank and Jamie Dimon for Treasury. Incredible. Now, just in case you skipped out over that, Biden is considering putting Bloomberg in as the head of the World Bank and Jamie Dimon for the Treasury Secretary. So what do I have to say about why did I train wreck? Why did I completely face plant? Because I retweeted it with this. This is how you get elected these days. One, buy off Chinese lab guy to break a vial of experimental virus in a subway. Two, wait for rich people to ignite. Three, show them a fire extinguisher. That's a train wreck. Because it's like 100% unsubstantiated. I have zero evidence for any of that shit. However, if I wanted to get elected president and I was able to affect just one thing, 
that could possibly give me the leg up way ahead of an October surprise, it would be exactly this way. I would buy off a Chinese lab worker to break a vial of experimental virus in a subway and hope, absolutely pray to God, that it goes pandemic, which is what has happened. Did he break, was it a Chinese lab guy? I don't know. Did he break a vial of experiment? Did he break a vial in the subway? I don't know. Was it experimental virus? I don't know. But hell, if I wanted to do this shit, if I wanted to get elected, this is exactly the way that I would do it. Because this thing is tanking markets left to right, north to south, all up to heaven and down to hell. Any direction that you want, any direction that you want to pick, this market is going south of that. If you want to pick a direction that you think is a good way to go, market's going opposite direction. All right. Everything is burning. Who would you want to put in to what would you proffer to show people that you not only do you mean business, but you're going to help these rich people extinguish the well, you'd show them Bloomberg and Jamie Dimon. That's exactly who you would show. That is 100% who you would show. And it may very well work. We may very well see Joe Biden as president of the United States. Do I care? No, not really. As long as he's a one-termer. I just want a whole lot. What I want is the next, I don't know, until the day I die, I want the next presidents all to be one-termers. Because that's probably what we're going to get. So that, that way, at least I won't be surprised. Biden can't add at this point. I'm, he's barely, seems barely able to remember his own name. He really doesn't remember where he is at any given day, but I'm going to totally give him a break on that. You go visit 15 towns in one single day and see if you remember where the hell you are. Hell, I was at a Charlie Pride concert when I was a teenager because I was working it, not because I bought a ticket. Okay, just give me a freaking break. I was actually one of the roadies on that one. But Charlie Pride was like, hey, Monahans. It's like, oh, dude, no, this is Midland. Uh, one way to piss off a whole group of people is to get the name of their town wrong and, not, and demonstrate that you don't know what the hell's going on. That doesn't disturb me. What does disturb me is the fact that he clearly can't add He's doing, I, he barely formed sentences well. I, having this guy in as president may very well happen, so bu- buckle up. Uh, under normal circumstances, no. Like if none of this shit had happened, like if the markets completely recover by October, which I doubt, but it's not outside the realm of possibility, then Joe's probably not in. Um, which may be evidence that they had nothing to do with this. And I'm pretty sure that they didn't. This is probably completely 100% hand to God, black swan kind of event. Cause it happens. These, these weird things happen. Uh, this may be a situation where you just, you just can't plan this kind of stuff. But if the markets were to recover by October, Trump's probably going to end up being in office. Just saying, because if, if everything recovers by October, ah, Nobody's going to remember today. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. We're going to, well, we have no choice. We're going to have to see what happens with this pile of smoldering garbage. But still, be careful with the tinfoil hattery. Uh, sometimes it can get you into trouble. Thankfully, my tweet hasn't, hasn't jagged the ire of the social justice warriors, probably because they already have me all have me blocked. But whatever. 
So, uh, what else is left? Oh, terrible joke corner. I got this one. This is going to be bad too, bro. Uh, uh, where's, oh no, where's my terrible joke corner, bro? Okay, here it is. I got it. <clears throat> this is not dad says jokes. This was overheard at the MIT Bitcoin Club Expo, apparently, which was going on. Why was the bartender fired? He gave away the pub keys. Get it? Uh, you'll never understand that unless you're in Bitcoin. That is what is meant by something that is esoteric. If you don't know the jargon, uh, you're not, you, then you're not going to understand whatever the hell is being said. Uh, I don't mind esoteric jokes because, you know, if you're playing to your audience, you know that your audience gets it. But, dude, that is, oh, that's a that's a bad joke. Okay, chickens. We did. We got chickens. Um, we got six chickens, so a cool half dozen. We're thinking about getting 10, but there's just no reason for that because on average, a chicken will lay when they get to laying age, which if I remember right, is somewhere between, I want to say six, I think it's like 16 and 20 weeks old. So we won't be seeing eggs for a few, you know, a couple of months. I mean, well, let's see, when, when will that be? It'll be like towards the end of summer, maybe getting into autumn somewhere around there. Um, yeah, yeah, we're going to be, oh, well, no, maybe mid in either event. It's like, it's a, it's a while now meat birds. If I was raising chickens for meat, I'd only have to wait six weeks because that's right when they get right to the point that they've got enough, uh, enough meat on them that they're probably not going to put a whole lot more meat on them, especially meat that tastes good, right? Because right now they haven't walked a lot. They haven't really done a lot of exercising, even though they're, you know, walking around. But they still haven't done, a, you know, like a year and a half of it. At that point, you that's when you get a hen. Something that's been laying for a while is no longer a chicken. It's a hen. So if you want good, tasty, you know, succulent chicken meat, you're going to harvest those birds at six weeks. Whereas if you want chickens for eggs, you're going to wait. And you're going to have to feed them, water them, take care of them, and you ain't getting dick. It's when they start laying eggs that it pays off. But a single adult chicken will normally weigh, lay one egg, either one a day or one every other day. And then their production goes down over time. And after about two to two and a half years, they're done. Maybe three. You might be able to squeeze three out of them. But they're pretty much done because a chicken's ovum has roughly 1,000 uh premature eggs built into it when it's born. So as those ovums become mature and they pop out an egg, you've got, you've got a tank of gas and you're slowly burning that tank of gas. So, but after a while, after about two years to three years is when you start seeing the, the decline in egg production. But I don't need, I don't even really need six eggs a day. I'm just doing it because having two chickens just seems kind of dumb to me, but whatever. Uh, so we've got two, uh, the, the breeds are two Orpingtons, <clears throat> which are supposedly heat tolerant and give, um, or heat and cold tolerant, give excellent amounts of brown, large brown eggs. And then we've got two Rhode Island Reds, which are also heat, heat and cold tolerant and also give an excellent amount of brown colored eggs. And then we've got <clears throat> two Cochins, C-O-C-H-I-Ns, 
which I think we just got them because they were more cute, but they lay smaller eggs are there's heat tolerant. I don't know about cold. Uh, it didn't say, but Hey, you know, needed to get sick. So that's what we got. And that was about, by we got chicken feed. <clears throat> I don't have the list in front of me because today's just a weird day. Uh, but I got chicken feed, uh, chicken grit, a bag of this powdered stuff that you mix with their water. And it's got like acidophilus. It's like, you know, probiotics. It's got a little bit of vitamins in there and it's got some other stuff in there. Uh, you mix it with water and that's what you, you get their waters and stuff. So for chickens, their feed, their grit, which is grain. It's not grain. It's like ground granite. It's to load up their, uh, their gizzard, which is our gizzard is called an appendix. Ours doesn't work anymore. Chickens depend on theirs. And it's a muscle that grinds the grain with rock. And that's sort of how they chew. That's just the way that shit goes. So they need grain to put it, or they need uh, gravel and like little rock dust to put in there. And that's where you get, that's why you give them chicken, you know, like this uh, grit. Um, so after all that was said and done, we're looking at 50 bucks. So, so far we are about $110 into this little endeavor with six chickens. So, but we'll, I'll keep you posted. And the minute that one of those little sons of bitches lays its first egg, <laughs> believe me, after I know and my kids know, you'll be the first to know. So anyway, uh, like, you know, again, sorry for the differences in today's show. Also, uh, apologize for the brevity, but you guys are swimming in a colossal sea of hell right now. Um, I'm not going to make you do this anymore. We'll just have to see what all this shit looks like on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.